Today on episode 113 of the Home of Play podcast, the Embracer Group is set to buy multiple Square Enix studios and IPs in huge acquisition. PS5 stock issues could last into 2024 as chip shortages continue, and the video game market revenue is forecasted to hit $200 billion for 2022. All that and much more. Just you saying billion makes me think of... Uh... I want sharks with freaking laser beams. Let's get some intro. <laughs> Happy Monday and welcome home, everybody. Welcome back to episode 113 of the Home of Play podcast, where every Monday the two best friends join forces to give you all the latest in PlayStation rumors, news, reviews, and that is because we're the true PlayStation fans. I'm your host, self-proclaimed king of hot takes, Steve, because <laughs> I have the most hot takes in the world. Uh, uh, with me, I'm joined by the king of platinum trophies himself, Christopher. Hello, hello. The Home of Play podcast is a self-support podcast. We don't include any of that bias or paid for opinion stuff that you do not need here. This allows us to bring you the PlayStation news that you actually need or want to know. All of our content is free for you to enjoy your leisure. We only ask that you help support the show by subscribing to the Home of Play podcast, by telling your friends, family, and your doctor about the show, and that they can find us on all your favorite podcast services of choice, such as Spotify, Apple, or Amazon. Every month we're growing, it's all because you love the gaming homies, helping to spread the cause through the power of word of mouth. If you have any comments, questions, or complaints, please send any of those to your email address, homeofplaypodcast at gmail.com, and then we can read your questions on the show or alone private while we discuss all this crazy acquisition news. Plenty of news to talk about this week, but as always, let's start with how we spent our prior week, and we're going to start with Chris. So, as I mentioned at the end of last week, I was nearly done with Dying Light 2. I can confirm I got the platinum on that one. Yay, it's done, deleted, moving on. Uh, That last trophy was ridiculous. Uh, You have to walk or travel 960 kilometers, I think, and it's ridiculous. Like... It should have been a number that you would actually be able to obtain by playing through is, the game and doing all the side stuff. Is that like a remix of like, I would walk 965 <laughs> kilometers yeah, and I, I know, that's would awful. walk 600 more? <laughs> oh my God, it's awful. But what I can say is like, because it's so awful, I literally had to leave my console, rubber band the sticks. And I think I had to leave the console running for 28 hours before the trophy popped. Like, hmm. that is the stupidest thing. And I already had in the game, I think, uh, probably 60 or 70 hours, I think. And that was... That reminds me of the Infamous uh, trophy in the first Infamous where you had to grind a certain amount. Oh, yeah. I remember just finding that. one that was like a loop. So I just left my character on the loop. Yeah. Like, it was... That's pretty bad. Like, I don't know if they intended that. Like, because I had done everything in the game. There was no, like, side stuff left. And it's like, did the game developers like intend that you would play the game twice to do another ending? I I don't know. I don't definitely well, wasn't worth. I it. wonder if it has something to do with that crazy number they gave us before the five hundred plus hours oh, yeah. of content. So maybe they thought you're just going to parkour yourself into a Guinness Book oh, of Records. I hate trophies like this and achievements like this because it just all it does is like it just boosts the playtime of all their games. It's like oh, but now all the people like the trophy hunters. Oh, look at the hours played in the game because you have an artificial 20, 30 hours added because of this crap. I don't know. It just but. Well, and it dampers your end experience, which has always been my congestion with trophies as a whole. Is, yeah. You know, Spider-Man, 
uh, Marvel Spider-Man, specifically from Insomniac, you know, such an easy platinum. Some people complain it's a little too easy, but for me, it's like, this is the type of platinum that I will, you know, seek out yeah. and it's not going to ruin my end result of the game, my, my impression of the game. It doesn't put a bad taste in my mouth when I'm done. What you're talking about is exactly the opposite and what I'm always afraid of, you know, chasing these platinum. Yeah. There are definitely some trophies in a game when I'll, if I'll see the game and I'll look at the trophy list, there are sometimes there's trophies that will break me and I'll be like, I, there's no way I'm getting the platinum in this game because it's just like, and that's saying something because you were diehard. Like, oh, you, know, you showed me the Final Fantasy X platinum and the, the requirements it took to get that. That oh, yeah. was an insane one. And you will do that. So oh, yeah. for something to break you, like that speaks volumes. Like the Yakuza games, some of them are like, this most recent one, I can't remember what the name of is. Cause is I, it Like a Dragon? Yeah, the, the Like most a Dragon. One? Yeah. Like I, you have to like master like four or five different jobs to be able to finish like the last tower, like dungeon in the game. And I'm like, dude, it took me forever to master just one job. And like, when I say forever, I'm like already at like, I can't remember. I think I'm at, I think I'm over a hundred hours in the game. And there's like a grind area where you fight the same guys over and over again to level up to the max level. Like, that's not fun. That It's not, it's, it's not fun. Like if you made it just the one job. Yeah, that was doable. Cause by the time I got to the very end of the game, I was already pretty close to the top level for at least the one job. But Anyways, I'm going on a rant. Some, there's just some make it or break it games. It's usually a multiplayer achievement that gets me where it's like, get to rank 50 in this game. Like Red Dead Redemption 2. I was like, I don't even know if I'll like the multiplayer. I don't know if I have a crew that will play it. I'm not going to grind that. So like right away, that game was like, I'll just play it, enjoy it, move on type thing. Anyway, anyways, went on a rant. The other, <laughs> So I, once I finished that one, I went back and I'm like, okay, I think I want to try to get a couple more open world games finished because I got such a backlog of open world games. So I've been working, I looked at my hard drive on the PlayStation and I'm like, what game is taking up the most space? And I think it was Far Cry 6. I think it was like 90 gigs, which blows my mind that it's 90 gigs. I don't even understand why. But I'm like, let's do it's this uh, one. hide all those NFTs. <laughs> yeah, all that uh, add-on content that you got to purchase. But uh, yeah, so I turned Far Cry 6 on and I'm, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm having a decent time with it. I've always had a decent time with the Far Cry series. I mean, the originals were like the best. I never played the first one. I think I played at a buddy's place once, but uh, the second one I really liked and the third one obviously is famous for its villain. Oh, yeah, it even got me, you know. Yeah, but like the one previous to this one, like the one that's in the States, I didn't really like that one. That one was kind of just throw away. I'm liking this one a little bit more. The only thing I'm liking less in this one is like the interaction with the uh, main villain in this one. Like I, I call him Gustavo Fring from Breaking Bad. It's the same actor. You, you, there's very little interaction with that person. Like it's like you'll kill like a main lieutenant or something, and then you'll see a cinematic of him reacting to it. But like the other games, there's always like they're directly interacting with you, and I'm missing that. So it's like. As much as I see him as a true villain, probably more from Breaking Bad, it's like I, I, I'm getting it less and less. He's more dictator villain than like my personal villain. You know what I mean? So I'm enjoying it. I'm probably liking it more than Dying Light. I think I'm getting near the end. I've done all like the the territory quests. I just got the, like the main quest line now to like deal with him. Uh, and then there's tons of like side stuff. I'm going to have to do lots of collecting, but I'm, I'm having fun playing it. So that's good. 
I'll probably get that one done, maybe even this weekend. So, and then from there, I don't know what's next. Maybe Elden Ring. <laughs> I gotta keep teasing you with it, but yeah, maybe yeah. Elden Ring. I don't know. I'm sort of feeling in the Assassin's Creed mood. Maybe I'll probably, but after no, after an, uh, a Far Cry, I the know. next thing is like let's do another Ubisoft. unlimited checkbox game. Yeah, it's true. Um, I do like that one more than all these other ones, though. So not Elden Ring, but more than uh, Far Cry and Dying Light. So. Yeah, that's pretty much been my gaming week. I don't think I did anything really important on PC. So how about yourself? Did you try anything different? I know you've been looking for a different <laughs> game to play. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. So I got a little bit of gaming time. Not too much. I had to do some, you know, moving around of my properties. Uh, you know, I, we brought up uh, getting my side-by-side out of storage, my Razer or whatever. And that took up most of my gaming time. But what little I did get uh, was Elden Ring again. Uh, I'm basically done the second playthrough already. Uh, I was just... My... I started with a build, but it was based off of guys like level 50 build. And now that I'm higher level and I got the necessary components, there's like a phase two of it. So this week was like, all of a sudden I realized I can start the phase two and I just started loving it. It's such a fun build. I'm just like, you know, I was even thinking the other day, like, man, if I can get Chris into this, like I would be so happy just like shadowing him with my character, just having an excuse to like just keep stalking using in the awesome corner build. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it's fun anyway, but you're right. I've talked nothing about Elden ring for the, like nothing but Elden ring for the past month. Uh, so for the sake of just, you know, not making people's eyes glaze over, uh, I did start uncharted four, which I've never oh. played before. I just, and here we go. I'm going to another hot take, hot take as I am the king of hot takes. Uh, I call bullshit on the re-release or the remaster, whatever they want to call it. I just went on my like PlayStation catalog. I forget what they categorize that PlayStation collection, whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's free if you have a PS five. So I just downloaded it and I'm pretty sure maybe it's come out on PlayStation plus before. I don't know. But uh, anyway, the download for free, I barely started it, but I think I'm going to enjoy it. I've heard it's more cinematic uh, heavy, which yeah. I'm okay with. I love single player stories, so I'm in love with that. Uh, you know, it's got all the characters I like. I think I've been away from that genre long enough now. Uh, you know, I didn't play, I didn't finish the second Tomb Raider. I didn't play the third one. I didn't finish Uncharted three. I didn't play Lost Legacy. I think is what they called that side. Yeah, I didn't uh, play that one. game. Um, so I've been away long enough that I I'm hoping I can get through this and have a really enjoyable experience because I've heard nothing but good things. So yeah, it it was good. Um, I don't like. Re- don't don't ask me verbatim what the story was because they all the stories are kind of mixed up in my head as to what what yeah. is what. All I know is this one introduces his brother that he's never brought up once in the past exactly. three games. So you know, games. I know, I know. Uh, or they kill the main character. That's a that's a different Naughty Dog game. Okay, good. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, that's I didn't play enough to really speak on it, but uh, hopefully next week I'll have more to say and less to say about Elden Ring. So maybe people will be very happy about that. But we have a lot of news to get to, so I think we'll get into the uh, the bite-sized news now, the smaller things that hopefully we can burn through to save up as much time to talk about the big one of the week, which we will get to. Uh, and anyone that's privy to the news probably knows what we're talking about. But So here comes... Uh, a special headline. Uh, I really wish they would have better headlines, but here we go. But yeah, Chris, you're right. Maybe we should uh, not get articles from GeekWire anymore. But anyway, 
SoftBank, Sony backs 60 million round for gaming infrastructure software startup, a cell bite. Uh, like I said, this one comes from Geek, GeekWire and uh, they need to work on their headlines. Um, a cell bite, a Seattle startup that provides backend tools for live service video games, raised 60 million in a series B round led by SoftBank, Vision Fund 2, Sony Interactive Entertainment, Galaxy Interactive, and NetEase also invested. The company raised $10 million in September. That's basically what happened. But if you're wondering what a cell bite is, they go on further with the cell bite gives developers a ready-made set of tools to manage the behind the scenes requirements of a multiplayer online game. The idea is provide necessary program and architecture to game developers that plan to operate games as a service. Releases that make their money from in-app purchases or subscription fees rather than a single upfront purchase price. Customers include Voxis, Stray, Bombay, Striking Distance Studios, and others. So Chris, quick article. I don't think it needs to be any longer. It's very clear Sony has strongly suggested that it's going to lean into live service games. And this is just more proof of that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, for me, it's like, I guess I'm always hopeful. It's like, they'll do it right, right? They'll do it right. But I mean, it's probably going to turn to shit, to be honest. But I mean, I hope that like the problem with the, the I mean, there's so many problems with games of a service, but like the problem is, is when you, the game comes out, make it like functional and good at that moment when it comes out, don't make it like playable, you know, it's playable mm-hmm. game. And it's like maybe in six months, there'll be like, you know, a little something going on where it's like, okay, this thing's actually pretty decent or if not six months, then a year, but it's like. Make the game decent as it comes out and then add on to it and make, make changes and add stuff. That's, that's my big thing with these games of a service is they are le- releasing unfinished products in my mind. Oh, absolutely. It's the death of all games of a service. The, uh, you know, you bring up Marvel's Avengers, you bring up Anthem, you bring up uh, Babylon's Fall. You know, we can, the list goes on and on and it's always these properties that basically come out, they're unfinished. It just feels like duct tape and popsicle sticks holding these things together. And they hope that people are tricked into spending enough time that they can then fix these games. But most of these games take so long that they just don't even want to put the investment in to fix them. Like, you know, Anthem, Babylon's Fall. I just, you know, if you have 10 concurrent players on Steam, I don't know how you would even justify spending more money on that. Marvel's Avengers feels dead in the water, well, especially now after this week's news. Uh, I don't, yeah, I, you're right. You need to make sure it's running at launch. And if not, then good luck. It's like, we don't have faith in this game. So let's make it a games of a service. That way, if it fails, it's like, it's not as bad because we'd never had faith in it. <laughs> well, my thing too, is like, it, it, when you talk games of a service too, it's like, it's the mind share of the people. Like how much time do you have to split between the division destiny Two? whichever other games of a service that you're enjoying currently like and even if you do have the free time i assume you're gonna have to swap out at some point to try to keep up with the grind with one of the other ones so now it's just like how many of these can exist at the same time yeah you know i just feel like if you like games of a service you're probably into one or two of them already destiny Yes, most people would probably tell me destiny too uh you know i i know you uh and another friend really like division I just don't know how many those people that enjoy these types of games can, you know, stack on top of each other, especially with the, like I was saying, the requirements to grind and do your dailies. And, you know, you were playing Ark for a while. I yeah. I just, 
I don't know, like, yeah, how many of these can you really do at, at one time? So, and it, like, God forbid you're into an MMO at the same time. I, I just, you know, expansion comes out and there goes your month. Um, so yeah, I'm a little concerned. Like I said, I'm not a big fan of these games anymore. I'm, I'm worried, you know, Sony had Gran Turismo 7 and it kind of showed us that they don't really know how to do live service games yet. And hopefully they are learning. They, you know, they've made some adjustments from what I hear that seems to have improved that game. But since I don't own it or play it, I can't really speak to if it landed where it needed to. But I mean, I guess the only hope is not only hope, but it doesn't actually tell you how much like Sony invested in it. They just say the whole thing raised sixty million. So yeah, yeah. They don't. Let, let's hope that Sony didn't put too much money into it. Maybe t- <laughs> ten mil or something. You know. Yeah, enough to get... It's like a Kickstarter, enough to just get the software, yeah, but uh, you exactly. don't own the company. They, they yeah. might support <laughs> it for you. Uh, yeah, they didn't want the retail package. They just wanted that personal, you know. <laughs> now, PlayStation is also hiring for an acquisition manager. This one comes from VGC slash Game Informer. As spotted by business analyst Roberto Sereno, Sereno the de- director of corporate development listing based in Sony's California office, says the successful applicant will be mainly involved in identifying potential future acquisition and investment targets. Sony Interactive Entertainment seeks a highly qualified director, corporate development. Sony's job listing reads, SIE's corporate development team works closely with SIE's management team and is responsible for identifying inorganic growth opportunities through acquisitions, investments, or joint ventures. The team sources, evaluates, and completes transactions that are aligned with SIE's strategic priorities and drive significant long-term value for the company. Elsewhere in the listing, it says Sony is looking for someone to drive proactive deal sourcing, including developing relationships with external and internal partners. So do you think they're looking into more acquisitions? (laughs) I go so if they're hiring for someone to do it. Yeah. I have a feeling they are, Chris. I have a feeling they are. But, I mean, you can only acquire so many, right? (laughs) There's none left. Well, unfortunately, people keep leaving other companies to make their own studios. And then, you know, that just leaves more studios to uh, eat up, I guess. I very much suspect this is not going to be like... I mean, he could be doing... The person, whoever's doing the job, could be looking into, like, big acquisitions. But I, I see more, like, getting those indie developers, probably. That's probably like other than the the big one we were talking about recently. Like I very much suspect it's going to be more smaller acquisitions at this point. So. I just hope it's someone that like can point them in a, a proper. Uh, I mean, I feel like they've been making other than Bungie, which is arguable. I feel like they've been making most of the acquisitions are just very like yeah, obviously yeah, you've been partnered with this studio forever. Yeah, and I, I would just. Wish that they continue that way, but I guess they feel like the market's getting quite volatile with Microsoft just eating anything they can. So maybe that's why they're looking into this. I'm not too sure, but you're right. We all it is is speculation at this point. But I would just say keep your ears open. Uh, I think we're heading into a future of acquisitions. Unfortunately, we'll move forward. PS5 stock issues could last into 2024 as chip shortages continue. This one comes from Push Square. Sony's PS5 production woes look set to continue for quite some time yet, based on what Intel CEO Pat Gelsinger uh, has said about the ongoing chip shortages. Speaking to CNBC, Gelsinger warns that the aforementioned chip shortages could last into 2024, a scenario that would no doubt force companies like Sony and Microsoft into once again reworking their plans for the current console generation. 
In quotes, we believe the overall semiconductor shortage will now drift into 2024 from our earlier estimates in 2023. Just because the shortages have now hit equipment and some of those factories' ramps will be more challenged, says Gelsinger. Basically, the chip shortage is starting to have an impact on the production line itself, not just the products. As previously reported, Sony is struggling to supply PS5 stock to the point where the situation is arguably getting worse in regions such as North America. Indeed, PS5 was outsold by both Xbox and Nintendo Switch in the U.S. in March, and it was all down to the fact that Sony simply couldn't get enough PS5s on store shelves. Chris, that is very unfortunate. I love when they always compare it to like the Xbox and Nintendo Switch. Um, Nintendo Switch, I think, was ahead of the curve, like when so it kind of dodged some of the chip mm-hmm. shortages. But I mean, Xbox, their market is North America. So they're obviously going to probably keep more of their stock and whatnot in North America. So like that's where it's like, you know, that I'm seeing that. I see that comparison all the time. It's like, hey, X- well, Xbox is actually starting to like beat Sony. Well, I mean, so Sony's struggling to get their consoles out the door. So Well, and if I may, I feel like I'm not going to confirm your earlier statement, but I will say does Microsoft sell really well in the UK? Not really. No. Not their best market. I would say Europe as a whole, not their best market. Japan, really not their best no. market. So you're right. Where are their chipsets going? And I think it's North America. So yeah. you're right. Like, I, I'm, and I'm not, like, the reason I won't back your earlier statement is I'm not going to suggest that that's their intent. But when all your other markets aren't selling, where else are you going to put those? I'll suggest it. There you go. <laughs> and, I, and I'm but fine with that. So it's a theory. I don't think there's... Yeah, but here, like, the only thing I can think of is, and I'm not going to confirm this, you know, we're not the insiders here, but I would say that we, this might cause us to see the pro units sooner, because I do think that both companies, from what I can gather, it sounds like they're trying to look at alternatives for chipsets, something that'd be easier to get, something that's not backed up like this, and that might push into earlier pro units, is, is what I could see possibly happening here, and Honestly, if this is a case, I know some people would be, you know, early adopters like us might be like, what? There's already a better one. But the other side of the, like, the consumer market is going to be like, well, hell yeah. Like, I'll take anything at this point. Just give me a unit. Yeah. So, you know, it. I don't know. I, I would feel bad for both. But if this is left to its own devices, then I'd feel bad for the people that can't get anything. So, I, I honestly, I don't feel like there's a clean solution currently. Sony's proposed Bungie acquisition is reportedly being scrutinized by the FTC. So it comes from VGC. Sony Interactive Entertainment announced in January that it plans to purchase the Destiny developer and Halo creator in a deal worth $3.6 billion. According to the information, the deal is now being probed by the FTC, which has taken a more aggressive approach to reviewing big tech mergers under the watch of Lena Khan, who was appointed chair of the commission by President Joe Biden in March 2021. The FTC's investigation may not meaningfully impact Sony's bungee deal, but it's reflective of growing concern around potential antitrust issues during a time of increasing consolidation in the gaming industry. Mergers and acquisitions activity in the games industry hit a record $85 billion in 2021 and has been forecast to reach $150 billion this year. I will say though, I, like eighty billion of that's Microsoft. <laughs> you know, like not actually, but damn it's close. Pretty close, yeah. Yeah. So this is interesting to me. I, I interesting in the sense that it's like I've read it and okay, it's happening. But it's like 
I, I don't see the acquisition of Sony and Bungie being as like comparative. Yeah. As com- yeah. Well, comparative to like Microsoft and Bethesda. Mm. Like those are totally different. Like that's what I, I'm more concerned about is like, they better not be like comparing it at the same level to me. Cause like, you know, Bungie's like definitely a smaller company than Bethesda. Like Bethesda. Well, and not- again, like this is argument mean you always go over is, you know, a studio versus a publisher. Are yeah, you kidding me? A studio versus a publisher. Exactly. So it's like, yeah, you're talking about one studio versus multiple studios. It's yeah. a difference. And then yeah. the, the stuff that we've heard about the deal is like confusing to us. Like, it's like, yeah, we give them money, but like they're still free to do their own thing. And it's like, we're just yeah. buddy, buddy system. And it's like, and, and we're not going to make anything exclusive. Yeah. Like, like it, it, the, the conversation is completely different around this acquisition. Like if anything, that maybe be more, more worth investigating just to be like, what the hell are you guys doing? Like, what is this deal? But like, yeah. it, just, I don't know. I don't think it's comparative. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. It, no, it'll probably go through like, fine. Yeah, I don't think we need to spend much time on this. I think this is like a, I mean, I wasn't even going to say speed bump. This isn't even a speed bump. This is a pebble in the yeah. road. I, this is going to, I mean, I'm not a professional here, but I, this is going to go through. I don't think this is going to be anything. I just figured I'd add it so people know, but I honestly, it feels more like they're just trying to show people they're, you know, they're involved now, uh, even though they didn't show up for the, um, ooh, what was their major? Oh, yeah, it was Bethesda. Sorry, yeah. they, they didn't show up for Bethesda. But you know, after Activision, now they feel like, oh, man, I, I guess we have to do work now. Uh, so now it feels like they're going to be involved in all of these. Final Fantasy 16 trailer coming soon. Games basically complete. This one comes from Push Square. Uh, if you feel like you're suffering from deja vu from last week, yes, we talked about this. But we have more affirmation that this game is <laughs> actually possibly going to get completed within our lifetime which is always good news when we're talking about Square. So here we go. Final Fantasy 16 producer Naoki Yoshida gave an update during a near reincarnation and Final Fantasy 14 crossover live stream. Uh, Yoshida says that the new trailer for the game is ready to go, but its release was delayed for, and I'm not kidding, reasons. It should be made public soon, however, which makes us wonder whether it will be part of an upcoming Sony showcase it would make sense, wouldn't it? And I assume they're suggesting that based on the fact that it is exclusive to well, PlayStation as a whole, but I assume it's going to come out to PC sometime as well. Uh, hopefully not as bad of a port as Final Fantasy VII Remake. Yoshida also reiterates uh, what we heard just last week, that Final Fantasy sixteen is basically finished. Apparently, a development team is now working on polishing and optimizing the game, which of course begs the question, when is this thing going to launch? Um, also, I just want to point out that polishing and optimizing the game can take a hell of a long time. Cyberpunk 2077. Still so that's why I get a little sketchy, especially lately. Like these games seem to need more polishing than ever. They need more optimizing more than ever. I feel like people really underplay when it's like, well, they got the script done. They got mocap done. They, you know, they got textures. They got all this. They got maps. They got scripts, everything story. It's done. That's fine. But I honestly, it just feels like in this day and age, like me and you always talk about games releasing unfinished. This is the part that needs way more time. Honestly, you need to leave the baguette in the oven. It's not done. It's soggy in the middle. Please give it the time. Don't rush this out. That's why we always say take your time and just make it right. Like 
Mm-hmm. Just don't release a date. Yeah. Just don't talk dates. And like, and even articles like this, I don't even need this. You you gave us last week's. Um, this doesn't really add anything else other than you have reasons for not giving a trailer, reasons. which I, I would have to assume it's a contractual thing yes. that Sony, because of their partnership, maybe Sony demands that they be allowed to show the trailer in whatever next showcase we see is reasons. They cut our internet so we can't upload it yet. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, I don't, we don't have to spend much time. I mean, Chris, do you have anything to say before we move on? No. Okay, so let's uh, wait to hear more, and wait we must, because it's Square Enix. I definitely need to see more, though. That's what I'll say, is we definitely need to see more about this game. Cause yeah, I, we do, well, and we just need another trailer, yeah. since we haven't seen one gameplay. in like, two years. Yeah. Crytek hires Hitman 3 director to lead Crisis 4. This one comes from Game Informer. Crytek announced back in January that Crisis 4 was real and in the early stages of development. Since then, the company has stayed quiet on the sequel, but this week... The studio revealed that the game now has a new director. Revealed on Twitter yesterday, Hitman 3 game director at IO Interactive, Matthias Ingstrom, will direct Crisis 4. He's wasting no time, too, because Crytek says he begins work on the new first-person shooter this week. In a tweet from the official Crisis Twitter, we are happy to announce that Matthias Ingstrom, known for his work as game director for Hitman 3 at IO Interactive, joins the Crisis family as game director for the fourth installment in the Crisis franchise starting this week. So I could say I'm definitely a fan of Hitman games, and I, I understand the marvel that is the Crisis and the Crytek engine, but it's like, for me, this is not, it's not a game series that I'm interested in. The first game to me went off the rails just story wise, and it was never never able to pull it back. We talked about this before, so I'll, I'll leave it yeah. short and sweet. But uh, I, it's good. I, I mean, I, it makes me think that they're definitely still really in the early stages if they're just getting the director now. Oh, so absolutely, I th- I'm thinking at least minimum two years away. Minimum. Oh, go further than that. Yeah, it's before, uh, this four is to a six. hail mary. I need you to go across the field. Yeah, four to six, eight. Yeah, I, honestly, I think four to five minimum. Yeah, unless they're just. Co- I, I mean, mean they have the engine already. Pre-production's so. good, and they yeah. know what they want. I I don't know, but yeah, we'll have to see. Either way, I just want to say I like this in the sense that like the Hitman series is a good series. Uh, it, people loved Hitman Three. I think. I like a set of fresh eyes on anything. Yeah. And if anyone needs it, it probably is crisis because you're right. They, the engine's impressive, but that's kind of where it stops. And I, I'm okay with this. And I just like the idea of even, and I'm just happy with the idea that Ingstrom gets to stretch his wings and try a completely different genre. Like, you know, at first I looked at this, I'm like, Hmm, how does like a gameplay like Hitman three, uh, correlate with like a first person sh- action game I, you know what but that's fine because i love when people get out of the comfort zone and give us something truly unique and that's where some of the best things can come from so it kind of for me anyway it gives me more excitement towards crisis and i'll leave it at that i, I just want to add that kind of a sidestep but it's interesting too because I, I i think we're noticing more in the gaming industry that people are like jumping around doing different jobs at different companies and then eventually what ends up happening is they end up starting their own studio and then that's hopefully i mean we haven't seen too many results from that yet but hopefully Mm -hmm. that's where we'll see the real gems come from so 
I'm hoping that this is just another good step for him and that uh, eventually he'll be in a new studio at some point and <laughs> he'll make his uh, dream game. So moving forward, video game market revenue forecasted to hit $200 billion for 2022. This one comes from GameIndustry.biz. This is not a long one, so we're just going to hit it. Global video game consumer spending is projected to generate $200 billion for the year of 2022. As reported by Newzoo, uh, the forecast represents an increase of 5.4% year over year, which it says is now a new record. Uh, the market intelligence firm also estimates that the mobile game market will grow 5% year to on year uh, to $103.5 billion. <laughs> Vomit. Oh, Vomit. oh <laughs> man. Man, no. Stop. Stop. Phones are not places to play games. <laughs> they're, they're places to Tinder. Um, or grinder, whatever you're into. Newsu notes that console titles will generate $57 billion of the year's $200 billion revenue, a growth of 8% compared to 2021. Uh, meanwhile, PC gaming is estimated to amass $41 billion during the year as its growth by 2% year over year. Chris, not a big article, but it, no. it's... I guess the reason it's relevant is A, gaming's doing better than ever, and I think B... This is probably another reason to expect more acquisitions. Um, I think that's probably included in the projected earnings here. So either way, it looks like a healthy gaming market. I think uh, hopefully it just means more investment, better, bigger games, and you know everything just carries forward. Yeah, the only thing I'll add there too is we obviously see a big spike. I think it's a big spike in gaming, and I want to contribute that to a little bit of COVID. A lot of people are at home now, or well, less so now, but it's still kind of, you know, just teetering off. But a lot of people have uh, been home and <laughs> stuck at home. And what do you do at home? Let's play some games. So I think that's definitely helped the market for sure, uh, other than the stock shortages, which is the downside <laughs> of the COVID. But And then PC gaming just going up by 2% year over year. I mean, that's expected. PC prices haven't gone down that much for gaming PCs. so. It's it's hard for to see big changes in the industry because it's the same people buying the same stuff. So you don't see a lot of new people jumping onto PC gaming. So now we're ready to get into some of that bigger news. Uh, although we're still kind of starting with a smaller article, but whatever, it's relevant. Let's just uh, let's not overthink it. Prince of Persia: The Sands of Time remake development handed over to Ubisoft Montreal. This one comes from VG two four seven. Ubisoft has announced development of Prince of Persia, the Sands of Time remake, uh, has been handed over to Ubisoft Montreal, the studios responsible for the original Sands of Time trilogy. This decision is an important step, and the team building upon achieved by Ubisoft Poon and Ubisoft Mumbai will now take the time they need to regroup on the scope of the game to deliver you the best experience for this remake of an all-time classic. When it's ready, said Ubisoft in a statement. Ubisoft went on to thank everyone for its support and patience throughout the remake's development. The firm said it will share development progress on the game at a future date. Announced back in September 2020, Prince of Persia, The Sand of Time remake was originally set to release in January 2021 before it was delayed into March of that year. Then news broke that the game has been delayed indefinitely. Being rebuilt from the ground up using Assassin's Creed's Origins engine, the game features new mocap movement, a new in-game camera, and a uh, rejigged combat. Okay, so Chris, are you excited about this game? Are you excited uh, that you're not probably going to see it for quite a while if they had to uh, switch studios? So, yeah, I was always excited for the Sands of Time. Wow, okay. 
after we saw the trailer or the clip or whatever we saw, I can't remember if it was images or it what technically we saw. was a trailer. Yeah. yeah, it was like okay, they did not do enough to this game to like make this worth it being a remake. So the fact that they you know said okay indefinitely we're gonna go back to the drawing board and rework this, I think that was definitely needed from the short amounts that we've seen. Am I excited for it? Yeah, because I really I really love the Sands of Time game. That was a really good game. It was kind of short. That was the only thing maybe that was kind of the downside to it. I think you still haven't played that one. Uh, and I don't I don't blame you at this point. It's, it's I don't know if it holds up, to be honest. Uh, it's pretty decent, but mm, yeah, it, it's, it, it doesn't quite hold up, but compared to the newer ones anyway. So yeah, mm. I'm excited for it. Uh, it. It's not something I'm going to pencil in my calendar and be like, okay, the, make sure to keep an eye when this comes out i'll remind ourselves later on down the road when it <laughs> when it gets closer to its actual release date and see if i want to purchase it i don't know they better not like it, the problem for this is too is like it's it can't be a full price game it's not worthy of an 80 dollar price tag i don't even care how much they do to the game unless they like rewrite it and add 30 hours of content it's definitely not an 80 or 70 dollar game so yeah i would um I agree with some of it. Like, I think the important parts here are that it's, I think, like, okay, the, I guess we'll just get this over with. The crazy thing to me is that you started with this game. It got delayed. It got delayed indefinitely. Then you still gave them time to still work on this. And it was still in such a bad state that you had to switch developers. Yeah. That is a crazy thing to me. And that worries me because now I feel like this might be a complete overhaul where, especially now they're talking about Ubisoft Montreal works on Assassin's Creed games. They're going to use the Assassin's Creed engine. Uh, yeah. Is this complete reworking? And now is it actually going to be a real remake, which excites me. Like, I don't mind waiting if we're going to get a real remake. Cause you're right. What I have been exposed to what I saw on the internet does not deserve a full price tag. No, but if you tell me you're going to come out in three, two to three years, I have a hard time believing any less than three years if this is the case. Um, but you're going to give me a real, actually remade game, then we can talk shop at that point. But you're right, Chris. If it's a short, you know, 10, 15, 20 hour game, as long as it's solid, though, I guess at 20 hours, as long as it's solid and it's a legit remake, maybe. Uh, but you're right. I like, I need to see more. I need to see where this is going. But, uh, you know, it's somewhat concerning, but, uh, I don't know if it's, you know, we've seen this a few times. We've talked about it a few times and, you know, Square Enix did this with Fallen Fantasy seven remake and it possibly saved them for a time because it, you know, it was critically received. You know, I may have not enjoyed it, but you know, take myself out of the equation. Most people did. And that was because they took it from an outside studio because they knew it wasn't going to be worth the money. So this could be a great thing in three years. <laughs> you know, like that's all I can really say. Moving on, Mafia 3's Hangar 13 studio head and founder Hayden Blackman steps down after seven years. This one comes from IGN. Mafia 3 developer Hangar 13 studio head and founder Hayden Blackman is stepping down from the company at 2K after seven years. Blackman will be replaced by Nick Baines, who has 30 years of industry leadership experience and joined Hangar 13 in 2018 to start Hangar 13 Brighton. He was responsible for launching Mafia Definitive Edition and the Mafia Trilogy. 
Blackman spent his early game development years at LucasArts and was a producer on Star Wars Galaxies, the project lead on Star Wars The Force Unleashed, and more. He also wrote several Star Wars comics, including Django Fett Open Seasons, Star Wars Starfighter, and Darth Vader and the Ghost Prison. Man, Star Wars has so many different storylines, jeez. <laughs> While Blackman's next move was not revealed, 2K did say that he is leaving the company to pursue his passion at a new endeavor. Hangar 13 was founded in 2014 by 2K with Blackman at the helm and Mafia 3 has been the only new title the studio has released s- since then. In 2018, Hangar 13 was hit with significant layoffs. The studio would continue on to work with Gearbox Software on Borderlands The Handsome Collection and the previously mentioned Mafia Trilogy. In 2021, a Bloomberg report shared that Hangar 13's unannounced game Volt was cancelled after costing the company $53 million. The studio is currently hiring for another unannounced project. Well, I maybe we can start there, Chris. So, so founded in 2013, then in three years, 2016, they released Mafia 3. Okay. Then nothing until 2020, Mafia Definitive Edition. And now, you know, I guess they've existed for what? Seven, eight, nine years? They've existed for nine years now, Chris, and they have one full new game to show for it and a remake, kind of. Yeah. I, like, I don't know. Like, I, I'm trying not to be mean, but, like, you know, when it says he's leaving to pursue his passions, is his passion to release a game? I hope it is. I, I, I mean, that's my thing is, like, this studio clearly is having issues, and this is a problem with being an upper management. Like, the buck stops with you, and you're not releasing anything. I, I think they need to move on and definitely switch some people up and start releasing some games. Like, I don't know what Volt was. I don't know what happened to it. All I know is it's not happening, and it costs a lot of money and a lot of wasted time. And lots of people's jobs, too, it sounds like. And that sucks. I, I don't like hearing that. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what, what to say about this. I mean, I'll give them the credit. Mafia 3 was good. It was a really good game. It was it was, I, it was functional. I think the story was great. Yeah. The story was great. The gameplay was good, but... The this is repetitive. Rep- yes, yeah. the repetition was real bad. But it was functional, too. It didn't have too. fast travel. It didn't have fast didn't have travel, fast travel yeah. Chris. You, how do you have an open world with no fast yeah, travel? that's true. You had to drive everywhere, which definitely added bulk to the game, that's for sure. Souls from software games are notoriously hard, and they make certain mechanics to drive you insane. Um, even that game had fast travel. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, the, the one studio that would be like, we didn't put it in because we want you, like, you would understand it. And even they were like, no, you need to have fast travel in open world. Yeah. So, yeah, it was it was off putting. And again, that that constant loop of like, I can't remember exactly because obviously it's been a few years since I played this game, but I did remember loving the story. But yeah, like I can't remember how many missions it was, but you do the same three missions until you can unlock the main guy that you have to go after. And then you clear that area. Then you do it again and then again. And it's just like, OK, yeah. like we you needed to freshen this up a little bit. But yeah, that was actually a really good story. I will give it that. I guess I'll just move it to the next story because it's kind of similar. It's relevant. New Mafia game is in development and it is a prequel to the trilogy. This one comes from Push Square. A new Mafia game is in the works at developer Hangar 13, according to a fresh report from Kotaku. Not a huge surprise if true, we suppose. 
but it'll be interesting to see what the future holds for what is such a well-known franchise. Apparently, it's going to use the Unreal Engine 5. Yeah! And it's actually going to be a prequel to the existing trilogy. We assume that means it'll take place before the first Mafia, remade for PS4 in 2020, which takes place in the 1930s. We could be going back quite some time then. So not a lot to go off Yeah, the only thing I could say is, like, I still haven't played the first one. I'm hoping that when we get the new PlayStation Pass or upgrade or whatever you want to call it, Plus Plus, uh, it'll be... (laughs) I love calling it Plus Plus. It'll be free uh, in that bundle. Um, I suppose I could probably look it up and figure that out now, but whatever. I'm going to hope that it'll be free. So that'll be my first attempt playing the first game. Um, I don't know, like the third one, the storyline isn't connected to the second one. So, and I don't know if the second one's connected to the first one at all, but a prequel to a game where the, the, the trilogy doesn't really connect to each other. Uh, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, a, wh- I don't ki- Why is it a prequel? Just timeline wise, it's a prequel or is it going to be similar characters from the first game? I don't know the characters from the first ones. So you know what I mean? That's what's going in my head right now. So, I mean... It can be done well. A Red Dead Redemption 2. Yeah, oh yeah. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> so like, yeah, but maybe. I don't know. But either way, like, if they do it like that, and maybe like at the very ending, we, we are made privy to the fact that, um, you know, they all introduce a character that you would recognize in the original. You'd be like, oh, that's crazy. Okay, fine, whatever. But, I mean, this can be done well. I personally... I'm interested in these type of games like yourself. I haven't played the remake or the re-release of the Mafia Definitive Edition. Uh, I'm interested, though. I will. I, just, oh, I, I, mean, I haven't seen it at a price that makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, although, yeah, like I said, it, it looked good. I like that idea. It's weird. I don't like Mafia movies for some Same. reason. Uh, I, whatever. But games, I'm, I'm fine with. Um, so... I would do. I would play this. Uh, I just and I uh, again. I really love hearing Unreal Engine Five. Oh yes. Uh, I hope everyone's jumping on board for this. It's uh, it's great to see that. So yeah. Anyway, I look forward to it. There's not much to go off of here. It's a very small hope article, for Hangar Thirteen. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's exactly it, right? I think this is the the right move after uh, a lot of missteps, but uh, hopefully they can get back on track. Anyway, we'll move forward. Gamont family considering to purchase Ubisoft. This one comes from GameIndustry.biz. If you remember last week, we talked about Ubisoft. Uh, looked like they were setting themselves up for some acquisition. And now it seems like the boss himself wants to acquire it. So we'll move into the article. The Gizmont family is considering to partner with a private equity firm to acquire Ubisoft from potential buyers. As reported by Seeking Alpha, according to Deal Reporter, the group's reasoning is because it would like to remain in control of the company. Ubisoft was established in 1986 by the five Guizmont brothers, where Yves Guizmont uh, currently serves as the company's CEO and has been in the role for decades. The Guizmont family currently owns 16% of Ubisoft shares and 22% of its net voting shares. This news follows a week after Bloomberg reported that the Assassin's Creed maker is attracting buyout interest. Among the companies is Blackstone, which has made investments in various firms such as Epic Games, App Lovin, and Google. Is App Lovin connected to mclovin or is that a completely different thing? i hope it is <laughs> okay so anyway here we go chris uh, kind of seems crazy it seems like a power struggle uh in the making here it, th- yeah this is absolutely nostalgic you know it, it completely reminds me of Avendi's attempt to take over when they were having that stock market issue and uh Yzgaman did everything he fought tooth and nail to keep the company now it sounds like he's doing the same thing 
uh, if I can interject with my personal opinion, I don't like this. I think, unfortunately, and I'm not trying to be mean, but I definitely think Ubisoft needs new leadership. I think it needs a new direction. You know, me and you, Chris, I feel like we're constantly dunking on them week to week. They're, they, every week, it feels like they're announcing another makeshift game, just anything to get generate any kind of revenue to try to save them. I, I just, you know, NFTs in general, like how many times have we talked about that? Now they're backing down conveniently right as NFTs uh, and the whole market has gone completely uh, belly up. I, I just... Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't like this. I hope this doesn't go through. And I would just like to see someone, you know, I guess I could eat my words later and something totally terrible happens. Ubisoft and it gets worse and that would suck. But just dealing with the choices I have right now, this isn't the one I'd make. Yeah, I think we've been seeing like a much slower decline in Ubisoft than other companies. Other companies seem to have like spiked the bottom hard, where Ubisoft is slowly making just bad and worse decisions over time. I I feel like we were seeing it last year, but or maybe you know a little over a year ago, like you were kind of seeing it. But now you're right; it's it's a very steep decline now. Yeah, the like microtransactions were getting worse and worse. Hyperscape was literally there to just try to get money out of people at some point, although it failed at it. And then the NFT talk. Yes, the forceful NFT the talk. Forceful. People are literally like, no, we don't want this. And they're like, oh, you well, want it? And they would come back. They would literally come back and be like, uh, no, you, you just don't understand. They're the company that told us we just don't understand. We don't understand. It's, it's, we don't understand NFTs. We don't understand. <laughs> no. So, We're dumb. Yeah. I, I'm, I don't know. I'm like, he's been there for such a, while, a long time, obviously. It's like, I think I'm kind of with you and I understand where you're, where you're coming from that I think it's time for a fresh leadership change. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Okay, so before my head explodes, we're going to move on to kind of our last article, but it, this is the big one. This is the one I uh, mentioned at the start of the show and it's multiple parts. There's a lot going on here. So we're just going to start with the major one. And that is the fact that Embracer Group is set to buy multiple Square Enix Studios and IPs in a huge acquisition. This one comes from Push Square. And basically, we're going to talk about how that is. And then we're going to move on to the finer points. And I'll uh, probably interject and pre-warn people like where we're moving to and why. So anyway, let's start with the article from Push Square. Embracer Group, the enormous company that's always scooping up studios and franchises, is set to close its latest big deal. And it's a doozy. A conglomerate is the conglomerate, sorry, is about to acquire several developers and IPs from Square Enix. The acquisition will include Studio Crystal Dynamics, IDOS Montreal, and Square Enix Montreal. IPs such as Tomb Raider, Deus Ex, wait for it, Legacy of Freaking Kane, Thief, and more than 50 back catalog games are also part of the agreement. The total value of the deal is surprisingly small, and they are not kidding, $300 million. Uh, press release on Embracer's website states the deal is expected to close somewhere between July and September 2022. Legacy of Kane, Chris? Yes. Yes. Uh, the purchase of the above-mentioned studios comprises about 1,100 employees. The statement continues. With the acquisition of several big IPs, it's implied that some will be greenlit for new games. 
the, in quotes, continued sales and operations of the studios. More than 50 back catalog games is an interesting point, although what these games are is not made clear. Okay, that's phase one of this article. Uh, I think we can stop there, Chris. Uh, This is not how I expected to wake up on Monday. It's a little jarring, but then you settle into your morning, you finish your coffee, and you realize, I mean, all the negative conversations Square had with all these Western teams. Mm. You know, I feel like constantly they were using words like underwhelming performance and uh, not to these standards, yada, yada, yada. And I'm just like, okay, then like, yeah. And I don't know. I I think the unfortunate part is like, although this could be a great thing and I, I, you know, spoiler alert, I personally think it is a great thing. Um, It's just disheartening because I do think like Crystal Dynamics is, they look bad because of Marvel's Avengers, but I don't think that ever that Crystal Dynamics went to Square Enix and said, we are passionate about making a games of a service. Please let us make a games of a service. Yeah, 100%. That's not even their forte. It's not their history. I just, that I feel like that was Square Enix. And I, I just feel like they take the brunt of the backlash and Square Enix just now gets to wipe their hands of it. And they're like, ah, wasn't that a thing? Yeah. It was just, just, just a memory of a false dream. It didn't happen. Yeah, I agree with you 100% that Crystal and MX got thrown under the bus hard for this. I mean, we, let, let's be honest. We don't have true evidence of that fact. But I, I, I'm, in my heart of hearts, I, I believe that this was not their decision. Um, this was something that was maybe, like we talked about at the top of the podcast, is like maybe they didn't have complete faith in the game. And, uh, they, it's like, yeah, we'll make it a games of a service and Crystal Dynamics can work on this. And yeah, they'll make it right. I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to see what will come of this, but it's, it's, I, I don't know. What, what am I happier for? Am I happier for Crystal Dynamics or am I happier that maybe Square Enix can maybe start to focus on more important things? I, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? I think for me, I'm excited because at least from what we've seen, Embracer Group seems to be really good with their studios. Um, I mean, yes, they're getting insanely massive now. Like, yeah. uh, it, it's pretty ridiculous. And it, it is funny how they started from small thing, small thing, and they were just buying up like dead properties and IPs. And now, the, you know, we talked about Gearbox, like they're going after AAA studios. Yeah. Gearbox, arguably so. And maybe that's just me being petty, but this one, obviously pretty major, but Embracer group, I mean, sorry for using the name twice, but Embracer, Embracer embraces the past. And that's why I brought up Legacy of Kane. Yeah. I'm so wanting more from that. I, I just, I don't care if it's Blood Omen 3, Soul Reaver 3, uh, Legacy of Kane Defiance, or whatever the hell they called that other game that was kind of both, um... I just want more that that lore, that world, the story. It was great. I loved it. It's nostalgic. Maybe I'm remembering it wrong. Maybe it'd be horrible in today's day, but I don't know. But even like I just see this in the first thing because it seems to be what they want to do. They they like testing the water, from my opinion. So it seems like they like to re-release games, re- do like a re-enhanced version, uh, destroy all humans one and two. Um, what is that game? Something Reckoning, Asmor, yeah, or... Amalur of Reckoning, or something. Thank you, Amalur. Yeah, like they just like to re-release and see what the market thinks. Like, hey, do do you like this property? Because if you do, now we know because of leaks, Destroy All Humans three. So it's like 
that's my thing with Legacy of Kane. Are they going to release maybe Soul Reaver re-enhanced? Uh, I would assume Soul Reaver probably, unfortunately. Like, I'm a diehard fan of Blood Omen 2, but nobody talks about it other than me. That's just my weird thing. Uh, so I would assume, yeah, maybe they do. Or, hell, it could be a pack of them. It could be Soul Reaver 1, Blood Omen 2, or maybe it's Soul Reaver 1, 2, and that Defiance one I was talking about. I can't remember what it was called, but it had both characters playable. And maybe they do that, and then I get a new one. And, like, that's what excites me. I just think... I think it's a win for Crystal Dynamics. I think it's a win for Eidos Montreal. I think it's a win for Square Enix Montreal. I think it's a win for, you know, the 50 back catalog games, all these IPs that they now own because they just seem to treat their studios better. And I think Crystal Dynamics and all these other ones I've mentioned are just going to get to breathe easy at night and maybe they get to work on things they're passionate about. And maybe they're not just going to be forcefully thrusted into a games of a service that they're not passionate about. In my mind, I keep, I don't know why I keep in my mind saying this, but I'm like, Genie, I set you free. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, like, honestly, this is their final wish and they get to go free. Yeah. Um, so I just think it's good because, I mean, just going off the history, Square Enix hasn't been doing anything great with these. So it's interesting, you know, the one, like, you know, I, I heard they were working while well, Chris Dynamics was working on Tomb Raider as well, helping with that perfect dark game. Uh, I guess they're going to continue to do that. Uh, so yeah, it's just crazy thing. Embracer now has Tomb Raider, which is like PlayStation history. So yeah. it's like, wouldn't it be interesting if PlayStation just like, hey, just let's buy the IP. Like you can keep everything else. Let's bring like resell it. You know, let's bring Lara home or Lara. Or I can't remember how you say her name. Depends what movie you watch. <laughs> I know, right? Lara. Lara. It messes me up because of my wife's name. But uh, anyway, it's just like, yeah, that's a thing. So anyway, we're gonna move on to the next part because there's a lot here. So here we go uh, with the Square Enix um, phase two shenanigans. Yeah, this is let's say this is part two of this whole acquisition. So Square Enix says Embracer's acquisition will allow it to invest. And here we go. More in a blockchain, AI and the cloud. This one comes from IGN. That's what we want, baby. Square Enix, that's what we want. Square Enix always making those great decisions. Square Enix has shared some of its reasoning behind the decision to sell Crystal Dynamics, Idas Montreal and Square Enix Montreal to Embracer Group. Uh, saying the transaction will allow the company to invest more in blockchain, AI, and the cloud. Square Enix revealed the purpose of the transaction in its execution of share transfer agreement with change to subsidiaries documents, saying it will assist the company in, in quotes, adapting to the changes underway in the global business environment by establishing a more efficient allocation of resources, which will enhance corporate value by accelerating growth in the company's core business in the digital entertainment domain. In addition, the transaction enables the launch of new businesses uh, by moving forward with investments in fields including blockchain, AI, and the cloud, Square Enix said. Uh, so that's where we're going to end this phase two. And uh, if you need to laugh, we're going to give you a break to laugh in your car, wherever you're listening to this. And then when you're done, we can just move on to. Uh, Again, I'm going to bring this up in homework, but uh, if you're not aware, NFTs are plummeting. Uh, they're in the worst situation they've been in currently, uh, down a, a crazy amount. Uh, you know, let's just go back to homework, 92%. So NFTs are a bad place, and this is where Square wants to invest. I just, man, can you not, like, could you trip anymore if you were trying? I, I just, I mean, we can argue about the cloud. We can argue about AI, like, what does that even mean? I, I like, <laughs> are they trying to bring back one of their dead sons? I don't understand what Square Enix is doing. I just, 
man, they just want a quick buck and they're like Babylon's fall, anything, uh, Marvel's Avengers, like I said, they just microtransaction money. Just give me the quick dollar. Screenix, the new Skynet. <laughs> really, right? Uh, yeah, I don't know. This is just, it's like, yeah, we sold amazing properties, in my opinion, amazing properties. And now it's like, we're going to invest and dig our hole deeper into the ground with this stuff that, I'll be honest, I could be wrong. You could be wrong. Maybe it'll make them money. But it's like, okay, now your business is not a game company anymore. <laughs> You're doing something else. Uh, Honestly, what was next here? Pink Plinko machines? Are they Konami now? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, you know, like, what is the future? I, I literally couldn't tell you because all the things they've come out this year, I, I can't remember if it was New Year's. Um, I thought it was New Year's. It was like right during a holiday. They they had that um, release statement, and it was literally all about like we're really passionate about NFTs. And then they reiterated later, and it was NFTs talk again. And now it's like NFTs are dying, and it's like okay, so what are you gonna do? What a week to announce this with all the other news around NFTs. I just it is sweet comeuppance, Chris. Like I could just eat <laughs> a nice slice of humble pie for them. Square Enix retains Just Cause, Life is Strange, and Outriders IPs. This one comes from Push Square. Western production of Square Enix games isn't closing up shop entirely, despite the publishers selling out. (laughs) Oh, wait, sorry, I didn't say that. Selling the vast majority of its studios outside of Japan to the Embracer Group this morning. It has been confirmed the Japanese firm will retain their rights to the Just Cause, Life is Strange, Outriders IP and the indie-focused Square Enix Collective initiative shall continue to operate. The three franchises in question have all received entries recently, with Just Cause 4 being the furthest out after a late 2018 launch. It's not known whether a fifth entry is in development, probably, but Deck 9 Games only just wrapped up Life is Strange True Colors last year, and Outriders will be expanded upon with the World Slayer DLC in June. Meanwhile, the Square Enix Collective has helped publish the likes of Forgotten Anne, Circuit Superstars, and Black the Fall. So, Chris, I don't think we have to spend much time on this. It's just basically, it sounds like Square Enix has more confidence in, you know, their secondary dealings. Like, from my understanding, they don't exactly own these studios. They just seem to partner and publish these games. Uh, And I think they're more comfortable with that. Which, again, that's probably great because then they don't have this weird... Uh, dominant control over these companies to tell them to do bad things um but we're gonna speak a little bit more on this next the phase four if you will of why this could be a bad thing and do you have anything to say before you move into like why this might be a bad thing no i mean i'm fans of just cause and life is strange outriders i don't know it ever attained what it wanted to obtain or, or attain so i don't know outrider studio has yet to receive any royalties as the game hasn't broken even this one comes from vgc let's partner with square chris uh in a recent financial report spotted by tweak town the polish studio said it hasn't received any royalties from publisher square enix based on the game's commercial performance last year the sci-fi loot shooter was released on april 1st 2021 following five years in development at people can fly square enix said it enjoyed significant engagement numbers at launch attracting some 3.5 million unique players in its first month partially thanks to the deal which saw the title released day one on game Uh, Xbox Game Pass. 
This led Square Enix, which owns the IP, to suggest the game was on track to become the company's next major franchise, but sales seemingly failed to meet expectations during the remainder of the year. Hmm, another outside studio that they were disappointed in. Uh, it's like weird. It's almost deja vu. People Can Fly said in its latest financial report, the group received no royalties from the publisher for the period to December 31st, 2021, which means that as at the reporting date, Net proceeds from the sale of Outriders were insufficient to recover the costs and expenses incurred by the publisher to develop, distribute, and promote the title. In quotes, this was confirmed by the royalty statement for the fourth quarter of 2021 received by the group from the publisher. There can be no assurance that the net proceeds from the sale of Outriders in future periods will be sufficient for the publisher to recover the costs incurred and to pay royalties to the group. I, I, Chris, you're shaking I your head. I'm just going to tell everyone because uh, they need to know. I don't understand. Like, is this not a red flag to Game Pass putting its game for free? Like, right as they come out? Is this not a red flag for this type of the situation? Like, we we never hear about any of the deals regarding Game Pass. But to me, you would think that that deal with Microsoft would be okay, we'll put your ga- game on day one Game Pass, but you need to, in the deal to, for this, you need to exclusively at least give us the money back that would recoup the costs of making the game. Is that not, maybe that's, maybe that's a little generous in me asking for that, but I would think that like that should be at least close to some of the deal for these things. And it's like they, the publisher didn't even make enough money the publisher didn't make enough money to recoup their costs. That's not even like the like the game company that developed it. Like, I don't know. This what do you think? Like I, I feel like this is well, a from a my red understanding, flag for game pass. if if I agree with you always, um you know me. Um, but from my understanding, Square Enix took the brunt of the cost. I believe they upfront paid uh people can fly to make this game, but in their contract, not only them retaining the IP, so they own right. it. So if people can fly left and or didn't want to partner, they could still make a two without them on Outriders uh, two. Um, so from my understanding, Square uh, they're like, taking the cost, took yeah. the costs, but then in the contract was like, we're not giving you a cent more until we recoup all costs, and then you get royalties. Well, you're right. Square Enix took the decision to take the easy money with Game Pass, which then theoretically might have hurt them i mean and maybe i'm totally wrong maybe the game just didn't wasn't getting enough interest maybe it's something that i've been saying which there may be too many games of a service chris and maybe there's not enough mind share for everyone to have their own unique games of a service for this all to work maybe it's like battle royales there's just too many uh and i could be crazy but whatever so that's yeah this is just square enix making another bad decision which now is affecting a publisher and or sorry a developer and a studio and it's just man this is now like you know this is why i brought this article up because we're talking about how they're going to continue working with these other developers in a a different capacity and is that a good thing because if they're allowed to make these decisions for you and potentially harm your business do you want to partner with this square enix I don't know why, but I'm like, for some reason, I'm laser focusing on the Game Pass aspect of it. I don't know why. But to me, it's like, well, that could be part of it. Because if you have 3.5 yeah. million and none of them paid a dollar, 
And we don't know how much Square got for this game. They literally could have been fearful at the last second because they didn't see enough people excited and t- taken a super low ball offer. Yeah. It might have been $5 million. I, again, I'm completely speculating. I am out yeah. of my own yeah, realm here. But like, if it's even $10 million, but you spent five years making a game, there's no way that game costs less than $50 million. You're never going to see royalties. Yeah. The, the, there's the argument, too, where it's like, okay, if we didn't put this on Game Pass... Three, they might never have gotten 3.5 million players and that's probably true yeah. but let's say let's say like we're definitely beyond the realm here but let's say they sold 2 million copies but okay you're selling 2 million copies at $70 price tag it, mm-hmm. it, to me I feel like they probably are making more money on that than they are on this Xbox Game Pass deal I mean we don't know anything about the Xbox Game Pass deal but if they're not making enough to re- recoup their costs like 3.5 million unique players is not a bad number. That's a decent number for no. sure. For a new IP with, in my opinion, I just didn't yeah, hear a lot of Looter, shooter, that's what people are talking about. Yeah. So you, automatically the game's already automatically categorized for looter, shooter, games of a service. Mm-hmm. So you're already hurting yourself for that type of thing. But yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know what to say. And I, yeah, I think there's two other things we can bring up is like, now, you can say I'm biased, you can say my vision's skewed, but I do think sometimes, and I would say more often than not, there is a perception that if it's a Game Pass Day 1 game, it's got some stank on oh, it. Yeah. So I don't know if that hurt the PlayStation side of things, where we heard as consumers of PlayStation's uh, market, you know, we heard that and we're like, ooh, what's up with that? Because I played the demo personally, and I just... I found nothing good about it. I was bored to tears. I think I, well, and then I also like closed it because I was so bored and then went to go back later and it doesn't save anything in the demo. So I had to restart and the intro to that demo was just, Oh my God, just no. Um, I didn't feel anything that unique about the game. It just felt like another games of a service. I know it wasn't as games of, of a service. Apparently like it was supposed to be more of like, well, this is your streamlined story, but you could play with people and you could get, better gear and it's just i'll call it games of a service light yeah you're probably right with that like i don't think it was like a game that was littered with microtransactions either i don't think it it was good that way so maybe the hope is that this dlc slash expansion or whatever they want to call it maybe that's where Mm -hmm. they'll end up recouping some of their costs but then what watch what happens is xbox can be like that's free as well on game pass (laughs) (laughs) well then my other thing with the game pass like you know you you bringing it full circle is like, you know, they make that claim all the time. And I, I always kind of wag my finger at it, but they always make the claim that, um, you know, game pass introduces more gamers to these games. And then it somehow in their understanding, it will increase sales for your game, even though they got it free. And they're like, well, they maybe they'll buy microtransactions or maybe it leaves game pass one day. And so then they're like, Oh, I really want that game. They, I'm like, no, not in these type of games. I don't think it works out well. Yeah. I I think I agree with you 100% on that. It's not. And then it just, you get the people who are like, but Xbox Game Pass is super consumer friendly. And it is in the sense that, yeah, you're getting these games for free, all that kind of stuff. I feel like we're going on a separate tangent again. But mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, it brings up the question where it's like, yeah, it's free, it's, but it's, it's hurting the game companies. Yeah. And more than one, I mean, we've heard, we just talked about this with PlayStation um, and like the, them giving away games for free on the PS Plus subscriptions. So it's not just Xbox. I, I don't want people listening to this being like, man, you're really bashing yeah. Xbox. And I'm like, 
we're bashing subscription services. Yes. And although I've talked about being excited about PlayStations, you need to understand I'm excited about the, back catalog. the backwards, yeah, the back catalog yeah. and the backwards compatibility aspect. I don't so much care about the free, like there's going to be a few like, you know, older games like Death Stranding and such that I'll have a chance, but I'm more excited about the trials than I am even that aspect. So it's more subscription services hurting these people. So I, I really agree with you, Chris. I just think, we're seeing that to say this, like all subscription services, I'll, I'll, I'll try to quit bashing Xbox are consumer friendly. I would agree. Are they developer slash studio friendly? It doesn't seem Do like. Do you think people can fly or happy about this? I mean, they got their salaries paid for and all that kind of stuff, but like yeah. people may, yeah, people can fly, but can they pay their mortgage? And I'm sorry to try to make a joke yeah. about a bad situation, but that is honestly a, a genuine question. Like, I really hope for like, and like, it also leads me to all these other questions. Like, how does this expansion working? Is it the same contract? Are they now asked to, here's another check, make this DLC and you better hope it sells because you're not going to see royalties yeah. if it doesn't sell over the certain amount. And like the other thing that's like, upsetting is i feel like all the power is taken away from people can fly so my fear is like what if square enix oh way overshot advertising because we know that can cost insane amounts so did they make it a number that was never going to be possible to recoup like i, I just and you know that'd be my question with the the dlc so i, I really hope that's not the case we we've talked about this a, a lot Let, let's just move on to our last not really article uh there's not much to go on here but i just wanted to, it, uh, i feel like it fits in with here but the last article that's not really an article is multiple sources said sony is buying square enix allegedly this one comes from push square basically i've kind of gone through a few sites that talked about this and it sounds like at the same time playstation we heard those rumors they were going to talk about what i like to call playstation plus plus and their three-tiered service some others, uh, insiders were talking about how there was these other big rumors they're hearing. It sounds like the, the big rumor was it was Sony was set to acquire Square Enix. And now nobody really knows what that means. If there's any legitimacy to any of it at all, does is Square Enix streamline themselves to get purchased even easier because they've knocked out all these other side assets? I honestly don't know. Um, I'm not going to bank on this being a thing. And honestly, I really hope Sony wouldn't do this. A, I don't, again, like I always say, I don't like it, these acquisitions. I don't want Microsoft fans to lose these games, even though a lot of them do seem to be, you know, partnered with Sony. So they're not getting a few of them anyway. But even if you were an Xbox fan and you like Kingdom Hearts, I don't want you to miss out on the next Kingdom Hearts or whatever it's called. I'm sure it will have an insane name that we couldn't even talk about. But I don't want you missing out on that either. And if you haven't, noticed i'm not thrilled with square enix as a whole either so i don't want them to get the easy out because sony bought you and then fixed you themselves yeah in my mind i'm like it's like what microsoft's yeah. doing with all the activision uh, activision crap and all their nonsense they get to just sweep it under the rug because well microsoft will fix it yeah it's it'll be all better <laughs> yeah here's a band-aid and a kiss for to me this would make more sense back in the day when it was square soft because back then they it felt like they were more Kind of like how the companies are kind of really close that work really close with Sony back when it was Squaresoft. It, I sort of had that feel back then as like these companies work well together and it would make more sense of the acquisition at that time. 
but yeah now at this point it's like i'd even make the argument all the way to ps3 really. oh yeah like they ha- not until recently have they started releasing their back uh catalog into xbox yeah, yeah exactly so yeah i don't know it's like it, you're probably right it's probably not a great thing it's it's bad or uh, it's not necessarily bad but I don't know if it's a good for me to think that, oh, maybe Sony can change it. Maybe they could change them. Maybe they could fix them. <laughs> they could be fixed. <laughs> it's like their Coldplay song. I can fix you. But it'll be interesting to see what can come from this, if anything. So because we're already having one of the longest episodes of all time, let's move into review roundup. This is where we get the Metacritic review scores for games that have recently released. And we give them to you. And we missed, uh, I believe, one or two from last week because I'm an idiot. Uh, like I say, weekly, uh, it seems to be. We'll start with Trek to Yomi on PS5. Critic score 69, not doing great. Uh, 11 positive, 16 mixed, 1 negative. And uh, I would definitely, you know, do your homework before buying this game uh, from what I'm seeing, uh, you know, especially if you read the negative review. Uh, next is the Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe on PS5. Critic score 90. Uh, there's only four reviews. They're all positive. Push Square gave it a 9 out of 10, if that helps your uh, research whatsoever. And the last one, I think the one I missed from last week, the House of the Dead remake, PS4. This one's sitting at a critic 63. Uh, also didn't get a lot of reviews for Mix. So also there you not go. Shocked. And yes. Uh, so now we are done with that. We'll move into the final part of the show, homework. What is homework? Homework is when we don't have enough time in the show, and especially the case this week. So we give you all the article headlines, where you can find those articles. You go educate yourselves. We're all better for it. So we're going to start with Star Wars Day Discounts PS5, PS4 games from the galaxy far, far away. This one comes from Push Square. Uh, claimed historical survival medieval dynasty planned for PSVR 2. This one comes from Push Square. That one actually does look interesting. Uh, if you have any curiosity, I would say explore that. FIFA 22 is testing crossplay multiplayer soon, but it won't be coming to... FIFA Ultimate Tournament, I can't remember what FOOT stands for, but that one comes from VGC. Clearly, I don't play FIFA, you can probably tell, but for the fans out there, I want you to have that information. Uh, all Dying Light owners automatically upgraded to Enhanced Edition. Chris, this one comes from Bush. It's the first Square. one, it's the first and one. I know, but you yeah, were talking about I've, I've, I've been hearing it. it's better than the second. And it's Enhanced. Enhanced. Uh, summer ga- <laughs> enhanced. Uh, Summer Games Fest 2022 set for June 9th. This one comes from VG247. And uh, I'm not going to stay awake for that. Uh, What did we get last year? Elden Ring. That was it. That's the only thing that spoke to me. Everything else, I'm sure it has its audience. And I really hope it speaks to them this year as well. But I couldn't. I couldn't care less. Uh, Chris, you can take the line. Hitman 3's freelance mode moved into the second half of the year. Roadmap shows what's ahead. This one comes from VG247. Call of Duty Vanguard underperformed because no one wanted a World War II game, says Activision. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> really? That one also came from VG247. Really? <laughs> wow. I, I like. Hmm. It's almost like every time I bring up that point that all I ever had growing up, especially from junior high to high school, was World War II shooters. Yeah, maybe it's a little oversaturated. Could be, maybe I could be. I could be. They wrong. would have had better results remastering those older ones, probably putting them in like a game yeah, bundle. Mm-hmm. The quarry features a death rewind mechanic that lets you undo your fatal mistakes. Oh, I don't know if I like that. This one comes from VG two four seven. I like the commitment of losing your character from something yeah, stupid. But I, I I'm okay with this because it allows you to 
do that. You can still not choose to use yeah, this option. But for the people that want a like, for the people that are probably more a curated, experience. tuned to like my brain, or that they just want one streamlined this this is the ending i want i i think this is nice it's a it's an option right like you don't have to use it i i i I just feel like things like this this is a conversation with difficulty that people get really mad like don't make an easy mode and i'm like why though you don't have to play it on easy what's it matter to you these options clearly weren't made for you but allow other people to have that i'm I'm, I'm also i'm noting it kind of sounds like i'm attacking you chris i'm not it's the people online that get me passionately upset because they always just say these things and like, oh, no, this should be hard. And I'm like, but it's OK if it's not. And again, like as long as they allow the multiple options, more accessibility, I just think is a good thing. I just want to add um, I want a joke death where you get like a paper cut or something or a scratch at the beginning of the game. Didn't we talk about that last week? You trip on the stone <laughs> and your character just died. No, but I want this one where it's because of this rewind mechanic. You get the paper cut mm. or a scratch at the beginning of the game. And at the end of the game, you somehow die of a blood infection. And then the rewind is to bring you all the way back to the beginning of the game. It's <laughs> like so the worst stupid. rewind ever. NFT sales have declined 92% since their peak. This one comes from VGC. <laughs> and obviously the best article of all yeah. of them. Um, That's the most optimistic Also, Chris, one. do you think the death rewind, though, <laughs> might be a way for you to cure the platinum trophy trophy even easier mm, probably not because i have a suspicion that there's going to be some sort of mechanic that's like if you use the death rewind, death rewind you're going to lock out the trophies or something some sort of bullshit like mm. that i don't know True. or there'll be there'll definitely be like a trophy for like get through the whole game without using the death rewind mechanic and have all characters survive like the best ending type thing so yeah yeah it 100 okay chris we did it. We possibly Rick. the longest episode of all time. We'll see what the editing looks like. But if you call me crying, I'll understand mascara, eyes stained and all. Uh, so again, thank you guys for joining us for yet another week. We appreciate your time's your most valuable currency. It just humbles us that you'd spend any of that on us. And until next Monday, all we can do is say goodbye. Yeah, we actually put time into this. So we appreciate the people that take the time to listen to us. So goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye. Yes. Because we are not Square Enix and we don't own you and we can't force you to do things you don't want to do. Yet. So anyway, until next not week. Yeah, yet. Not yet. <laughs> Bye.